1: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got
0: it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately he got the handoff, know it's
1: the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
2: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to answer some mailbag questions with our friend who is the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang. Over at JetsInsider.com and above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbly. Yesterday we answered some questions, so today let's answer some more. And without any further ado, let's jump right back into the mailbag. Next question comes in from OnlyJets1. He says, if the Jets were in the NFC, would you be more optimistic about their playoff chances? Yeah, of course. The NFC is weaker than the AFC. We know that, especially now that Russell Wilson got traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. It's going to be very tough in the AFC. Very, very tough. And that's why I said I don't think you should be looking at any kind of playoff mandate. You just want to see significant improvement from the players that you really need to be the core of the team for the next bunch of years if they're going to be successful over the long haul. Zach Wilson being number one among them. You want to see them being... In the thick of things in December Maybe they don't make the playoffs But you don't want to see them being mathematically eliminated By Thanksgiving We've seen that way too many times So yes, much tougher path In the AFC than the NFC If they were in the NFC, I would say If a few things break their way There's a decent chance they could be in the mix For that 7th seed I'm not so sure that that's going to be the case In the AFC Although I do expect significant improvement from last
0: year Yeah, I mean, just the AFC West Like just that alone, Mm -hmm. like you get just that alone is enough to terrify you, and that and we're not even talking about the AFC North teams. Uh, We're not talking about the Bills. Uh, The like, yeah, the AFC West is terrifying. Um, So, of course, put them in the NFC and. I'm thinking they they might have a chance at the playoffs that, especially depending on which division you put them in. But uh, you know that's not how it works. Uh, they are in the AFC and they will have to deal with all those teams. Um, but yeah, I you guys know I hate the idea of playoff mandates anyway, just because there's so many things that uh, can happen beyond your control, like it just get in the way. Uh, but if you're thinking that this season is uh, a Success or failure with playoffs or no playoffs, I'd, I'd readjust your expectations here. You this is another year uh, where you're rooting for improvement. You're looking for things to get better and escalate. You want improvement signs of hope and future from Zach Wilson and from all these other players that they are playing. Uh, these young guys, you want to see that they're good and they're for real. And that Joe Douglas has actually done a good job of uh, putting this roster together. Um. And you want to see them competitive late in the year. That, that's what you want to do. You don't want week five, week six to be looking at draft boards again. And we talk about this every year, but that's what you want. If, if in Thanksgiving, December time, you can still play out possible playoff scenarios, even if they're far, a little far-fetched, then most of you will consider that a, a successful season, as you should. Play like a
1: jet.
2: Play like a jet. Next question comes in from Mark McGuire. Oh, good to see that he could enter into the mailbag after having such a successful career in Major League Baseball. He asks, which second-year jet, not named Wilson, Vera, Tucker, Moore, or Carter, do you expect to make the biggest leap in 2022? I guess I would say Hamza Nasruddin just because I liked him a lot coming out of Florida State. He's had injury issues, and that's what's really held him back. But if I had to bet on one of those late-round picks, that would probably be the guy.
0: Once you said it, I immediately tried to start to see if I could come up with another one because you know I, I don't like to give the same answers on these questions, but there's not even a close second here for me.
2: Next question comes in from NYZ715. He says, where does Brees Hall stack up against the 2021 running back class? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I think that he probably would have been the second running back off the board last year if the Jaguars had made the ridiculous choice to take ATN at the end of the first round. I think Hall probably goes behind Najee Harris. But would have gone ahead of everybody else again With the exception of the Jaguars Making some sort of wacky move Like taking ATN where they did
0: The Jaguars gonna Jaguar Gonna mess things up for everybody else Right yeah but uh, Yeah I just That's that's about right I think I, I can't really uh, disagree With anything you said there uh, what, what you gonna do you know there's always gonna be A team like the Jags in there to, to gum it up For everybody else
2: Next question comes in from Peter J. Dillard. He says, Gentlemen, why didn't the Jets sign more UDFAs? I know it's not that important because most of these guys don't make the team, but they usually provide fun stories to follow. was hoping for more swings at linebacker and free safety. What are your thoughts? Maybe they just didn't think that there were that many guys out there that they liked enough to guarantee X amount of dollars. It's the only thing I can come up with. I know this was considered a reasonably weak draft, so maybe... They just didn't see a whole lot of value in the guys that didn't get drafted because they didn't see a lot of value in the guys that went late in the draft anyway. Hard to tell. Like I said, the only undrafted free agent that I knew at all was Bam Knight. They have brought in some other guys that they've guaranteed some money, but I had no idea who any of those guys were. I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you that I did. Bam Knight's the only one I did know. Part of it is because I did a lot of work looking at the running backs because I really wanted the Jets to grab a running back. And when you watch Ikim Aquanu, Bam Knight was the running back there in that NC State offense. So you're watching Aquanu run block, you're watching Bam Knight. So that could be why they ended up only getting guys like Bam Knight and a few others. Maybe they just felt like the guys picked late in the draft weren't that good. The guys that didn't get drafted at all really weren't that good.
0: Yeah, that's a large part of it. Um, at the weak draft class, depth-wise, um, definitely plays into it. But also... This is uh, the part of it too. So, there's they have less roster spots up for grab than normal. Um, there's still some for grab, but they like they could they could bring in a bunch of extra players, right, and give them some reps and stuff. But that's gonna eat into other player reps that are already there. So, right, they just it's a you know, a balancing act. Again, another thing of weighing how, how like, okay, we need help at this position and we like these guys here. What are the chances? One of these guys that we have here, will do it. And then uh, compare that to one of these guys off the street in the week draft classes and that, and they, they're going with their, we want to give the guys we have here, the most reps, we want to see them the most, um, so if you're bringing in other guys, that'll eat away from these reps now. So let's just focus on the guys we have here. Let's see what we got with them first, and then you know, it, once uh, they discard one, then they can just look to bring in other people here. But they don't want to overflood flood it. Um, sometimes it, it's again, it's a balancing act. Sometimes teams don't don't have a lot set, so they t- want to bring in as much possible to see different things, try different things out. They, they feel a little more set on things here So they want to kind of hone in on the areas That they're not sure about And really focus and be able to like uh, Address it in, from that type of manner
2: John Grella has two more questions He says Are you surprised the Jets only got one primetime game Also with the very big deals Culinary skills When is he going to develop Homemade green sauce In honor of Sauce Gardner <laughs> <laughs> First of all, no, I'm not surprised at all that the Jets only got one primetime game. They were bad last year. No reason for them to get more than one primetime game until they show that they're worthy of more than one primetime game. These networks have to take into account the teams that are going to draw the best ratings, and they ended up having to give the Jets one primetime game against the Jaguars the week of Christmas. Boy, if those two teams are bad, is that going to be ugly to watch? but I think that ultimately the Jets can do a lot this year to earn primetime games for next year. As far as the green sauce, I'm going to leave that one to the very big deal.
0: Yeah, so just copy and paste what you said on the first one. Um, One thing there, uh, the only addition there is the NFL does need to figure something out about trying to get these Jets-Jags games in the early part of the season. Like, I would think... You know, so don't make it the Jets-Jags. Make it, uh, you know, I don't know, Giants-Jags, whatever. Um, but get those types of matchups done early in the season because I yeah, make that a Thursday or a Sunday night game early in the season. Oh, okay, I'll still watch it. Make that the matchup in week 15, and, yeah, I'm finding something else to do with my time. Thank you very much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but all right, so green sauce here. You know, this is gonna have to. This is interesting. I, I mean, you can always just go with just some uh, food coloring to just make it green. So that could be real simple to do that. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, at my first, I'm trying to think what type of green sauce. I mean, I can get you know uh, guacamole in there, but like eh, just add a little food coloring. I, I can I could come up with something something creative there for them. But uh, yeah, that I I still. That uh, little emoji, the thing, the cartoon sauce thing that he had uh, man, I, I can't love that thing enough. This tiny little cartoon sauce bottle This is just the greatest thing I've ever seen. I love it. number one on it. <laughs> so cute.
2: Next question comes in. From Gus Toon he says has there ever been an off Season as a Jets fan that you can remember That has been as good as this one I can't and I've been a Fan since 1984 Gus also asks if At the end of the season the Jets only win two More games than they did last year Should they stay the course with Robert Sala and Joe Douglas or move on Personally I would like to see them Get at least five years to prove Themselves what do you think well Joe Douglas will be on the precipice of five years At the end of this one I'll start with the second question and then work my way back to the first one. If they win two more games than last year, then that means they'll have six wins. I don't think that that's necessarily an unrealistic thing, because remember, right now the Vegas over-under is 5.5. We talked about this before. I think more important than the win total is, you want to see that these players are making progress. It's a very young team, so this is a process, and I hate saying that because it'll give you Mike Tannenbaum PTSD, but it's the truth in this case. If Zach Wilson is significantly better, if the coaching staff has made strides, if a lot of the young talent is playing better and they just lose competitive games to better teams then I don't think the record matters as much as the process itself and where the Jets are headed so there's a difference between a good 6-11 and and a bad 6-11 that's really what you need to keep your eye on I think unless the Jets are really really bad this year Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are going to be here in 2023 2023 is a different story though If they're really bad in 2022 and then really bad again in 2023, then we may see some heads roll. As far as the first part of your question... Yeah, there's been some exciting off-seasons Before, remember in 2000 They had the four first-round picks They got Chad Pennington, they got Sean Ellis They got John Abraham, they ended up In the third round getting Lavernius Coles That was a pretty exciting off-season The off-season when the Jets went out And got Santonio Holmes and added him To a team that had already gone to the AFC Championship the year before There are several other examples, but Yeah, this is definitely one of the more Fun off-seasons in recent memory To be fair, there haven't been that many fun off seasons 2015 was a fun off season too When they got Brandon Marshall, Darrell Revis, Antonio Cromartie, all those guys but this one looks like it could be an offseason that helps swing the tide for the long haul. We'll see if that actually happens, but that's the difference between this one and, say, 2015. 2015 had a lot of guys that were win-now guys. A lot of the guys the Jets added are win-now, hopefully, but really more win in two to three years than win right now. So there's a lot of examples of having fun off seasons with the Jets, but this is the most fun and perhaps most consequential one in a really long time.
0: Yeah, there, there is a bunch of them. Uh, you know, you have mentioned Lavernius Coles, the uh, Draftix D- D- Santana Moss, uh, the Nick Mangold and, and Brickish uh, Ferguson a you year. Know, like, there, there's a bunch of them. I, I would think that, you know, uh, obviously it's a, a, a the fans' question for them to answer, but I would think that, that off season between those back to back AFC championship runs, getting in Antonio Holmes there, you had that first run which was a huge surprise. No one was ready for him. He had Santonio to it. I, I I think that would that would be the landslide winner in the vote. I would think. But as far as this this one is. The thing about this one is it's combined with last year, right? You're looking at it kind of similar because Joe Douglas hit, uh, at least did well with uh, some of those picks last year. You're looking at it as two years back-to-back as a combination class to really be a foundation to build this team around of the future. You know, that's, that's the difference here. And so long-term payout – this offseason definitely has uh, the potential to, to set it up there. But, you know, just more of an immediate need. Like, I got to think that getting Santonio a season there, like most fans were instantly thinking Super Bowl. Like, so I, I would think that would be the answer there. But this isn't that far behind. It's setting you up sets you up for more long-term success possibility. As far as, you know, uh, Joe Douglas and Salah what do they have to do mandate I, Woody Johnson has he wants to be patient now. He wants to give these guys time. He he doesn't want to keep doing this firing every couple of years thing. Um so I think it's going to take a lot for Woody Johnson to want to move on from these guys. And I don't think that you know Joe Douglas is going to want to do anything with Robert Sala. so like if they if they are we're looking at a six team uh, six wins somewhere around there competitive though and it's not just embarrassing then yeah I'm I I don't think that you should even think that anyone's job's in jeopardy there the next year you would need to see a little bit more but I still think it, uh, that it, it wouldn't it won't be playoff mandate type thing um, it just. You got questions, concerns, fair, about both coaching staff and Joe Douglas. But I, I said earlier and the about that, uh, you know, I don't trust Woody Johnson to find someone more confident. The other thing is, I don't know that Woody Johnson trusts him to find somebody more confident. He is going to give these guys the chance to do it. Uh, I don't think – I don't think you're gonna see him doing any firing with these guys where people where like, you know, a good amount of people are like, I don't know if I do that yet. I think it's gonna be we're gonna be close to a consensus uh in order for him to actually pull a trigger on firing any either of these guys. Next
2: question comes in for Peter J. Dillard again. He says, Gentlemen, did Joe Douglas do well enough this offseason for me to forgive him for his terrible tight end plan last offseason? <laughs> It's a tough question, Peter, because it really was a terrible tight end plan last season. Yeah, I'd say he probably did enough this offseason to redeem himself. Reminds me of Dumb and Dumber. And then you go ahead and totally redeem yourself. He went out and he got the two tight ends in Conklin and Ozama, got Jeremy Ruckert in the draft, and overall, I thought, did really well in the offseason. So, yeah, I think it's okay to forgive Joe Douglas for that terrible tight end plan last year.
0: Also, I like this a lot better. And Bill Belichick's plan to John U. Smith and Hunter Henry last year. (laughs) It's just a lot of money. He gave them a lot of money to be two tight ends. And, like, yeah, they're both better players. But, man, I – yeah, go with this route. Uh, Get the two solid guys that don't cost you a lot of money. And then you draft and develop a guy like Ruckert to bring along. Um, Yeah, that – Man, again, he, there are so many holes. There, he, he had, there was no, it's impossible. He was, he couldn't fill them all. So he took the calculator risk, all right? Gonna have to be just god awful at tight end this year. And then this year, he looked and said, okay, we can't do another year of that. And he went and he made sure they're not doing another year of that. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. This He made sure that that wasn't going to be the case this year, and he did a bang-up job. And, yeah, again, much better than dumping all that money into two tight ends.
2: That's going to wrap up part two of the mailbag. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly, and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Visit PlayLikeAJet.com and the PlayLikeAJet YouTube channel to check out everything we're doing over there. The Thunder from down under Luke Grant has got some great all 22 breakdowns of all the Jets draft picks. Plus, he just did a review of Zach Wilson's improvement after he came back from injury last year. Watch all the videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, TPublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, bless you, thank you shirt. The Zach says go long shirt. The Zack the Ripper shirt. The Play Like a Jet logo shirt. Caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com That's T E E publiccom And be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play anatomy
1: of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect